come to you with open hands and open hearts and give it to you, Jesus. Lord, we surrender. We surrender, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Can I, um, with that, I'm sure I'm not alone. That my heart says yes, my heart says I want to surrender all. But in practicality, I stumble and I fall every day, it seems like. And sometimes over the same thing over and over. You know, and the enemy will come in and bring condemnation, and you'll beat up on yourself. I know I've done it. And Jesus isn't asking us to be perfect, He's the one that's perfect. And he lived the perfect life that we couldn't live. And all he wants is us to be willing and say yes. And let him work inside of us. Let him change our hearts. Let his Holy Spirit come in. And wash you clean. And not just forgive you, because he does forgive you. But I don't want to just be forgiven. I don't want to keep doing the same crud sometimes that I do. I don't want to keep getting angry and saying what I shouldn't say to my wife and hurting her feelings or, you know, being selfish and whatever else I might do, you know. So, Lord, give me the strength and the power to live for you, to walk in your spirit. And he does that. He gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit. So I just wanted to say I love what Dusty was sharing. And I just, I know in the past I would feel like, oh, i got to surrender everything to God. And it's like, it's so huge. And I've tried to do that. I've tried to do that so many times and I failed. And so it's like, ah, if he wants everything, I'm just, I just can't do it. But that's a good place to be. I can't do it, God. And he knows you can't do it in your own strength. Or he wouldn't have to have come and died on the cross and rose from the dead and, Send his Holy Spirit if we could have done it on our own. He would have said, just do it. But he gives us the grace. So you need to hear that today. He just wants you to be willing and to say yes. And in fall, get back up and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm willing. And my heart's open to you. Amen. Okay, what's next? <laughs> Somebody's next. <coughs> Morning, church family. If I could have the ushers come up. Um. We'll go ahead, and while they're coming up, we'll go ahead and pray over the tithes and offerings. So, Father, we thank you for this privilege to give what we have, to give a small amount back, Lord. And in this world where sometimes we just feel like we can't do enough to make a difference, we can rest knowing that you can take our tithes and offerings and do big, big things with it, Lord. 
And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. So our church is full of life and lots of things going on, so we have to actually pick and choose what we're going to talk about. Um, first, I want to thank all the women that came um, to the event yesterday, the women's brunch. It was incredible. Christy did an amazing job, and everyone left impacted. It was great. So watch for more of those to come up in the future. And um, Okay, so... Today's the day. We've got the bake sale going on over there. And remember, you've been given complete permission to give up on your New Year's resolution. This is not the time to hold on to that. If you really feel like you have to, then buy something for someone else and bless them. But now's not the time to turn down a cookie, okay? Um, and then also, um, and that's the a fundraiser for our youth and another fundraiser going on for our youth is um, for on Valentine's Day and that's a Friday night the February the 14th and you need to talk to Kat or sign up and get involved with that because your kids are going to be here having a great time while you're out having a great time as well so that's a really good thing um, the other thing we wanted to mention and make sure that all the men are aware of is a group that Aaron Anderson is um, going to lead, and uh, it's called um, Men's Pure Desire Group. It starts Wednesday, February 5th. It's a 10-week group, and um, I just want to say that as a daughter of a man who um, never really was able to walk in freedom in this area. It, it's, this is a real important thing. It's important um, <laughs> on so many levels. Um, my dad, who I love dearly and who's not worth this, with us anymore, um, did a lot of damage to three daughters and a son. And um, so this is important, and it's important generationally. And so I know I'm really grateful that um, we have somebody who will lead this and that we have men willing to come to a course like this. It's, it's important for all men, even if you think that maybe you don't have a problem in this area. How you portray yourself to your daughters and sons is a pretty big deal. Okay, so... Um, it's now we're going to take a break and greet somebody that you don't know if you can. can tell us from of his mighty love We've only glimpsed his vast affection Heard whispers of his heart and passion His glory Thank you. 
father loves and sends his son. The son lays down his life for all. He lavishes his love upon us. He called us now his sons and daughters. He's reaching Your love is strong, it is furious. Your love is sweet, your love is wild, and it's waking hearts to life. Your love is deep, your love is wild, and it covers us. Your love is fierce, your love is strong, it is furious. Your love is sweet, your love is wild, and you're waking hearts to
Let your kingdom come now. Send us out. Send us out to be your hands and feet. Always searching for the lost and the least. Send your power, set the prisoner free. And let your kingdom come. For the homeless man who sleeps on the street. Good morning. If I could um, get folks to wander back. The youth, I believe, are going to be here after service as well for your baked good needs. So they, they will be there so that you can go and spend all of your monies. Um, just I don't I don't know if we said anything. They are raising monies to go to a, a little youth conference in March. It's a little two-day kind of youth conferency thing, and there's a couple other events that they've got coming up. So they're they're trying to raise funds so that they can go to those things, which is really awesome. Um, good morning and welcome again. I said earlier, my name is Dusty. Uh, we're glad you guys are here. It's good to see you. Um, I'm gonna pray. And take a drink of water because I'm a little bit, I don't know if you can hear in my voice, I got a little bit of a a scratchiness in here today. So uh, I'm going to have a little bit of a a Motown feel to the service this morning. Um, It'll be good. All right, let's pray. Holy Father, Lord Jesus, Lord, we thank you for your presence um, in worship this morning. Lord, we thank you for receiving our praise and our worship this morning, God. Um, Jesus, we just confess that we love you. Uh, and we just we thank you for who you are, God. Lord, would you be with us this morning? Would you open up your scripture uh, and illuminate our minds and our hearts today, Jesus? Amen. Well, welcome to um, the middle of January in the Palm Springs of Washington. <laughs> It's sunny and warm. Those of you who know me know that is not my preference for winter. I like snow. (laughs) It's beautiful and pristine and glorious. Have you ever, so just super quick aside, like a few years ago, um, I came to the church on a really Sunday uh, Sunday morning when it was really snowing. And I came at about 6 a.m. because I was starting to clear the walks and stuff. And like nobody was moving around town. And the, it was just, it was so, like, downtown Yakima, complete silence, blanketed by snow. It was so gorgeous, you guys. It was so beautiful. And, like, I still have that in my head. And so when I see the sun streaming through the stained glass windows, and, it, like, I got out to my truck this morning, and it was like, I swear it was like 50 degrees or something. I don't know. It felt like spring. And... It didn't make me happy, but I know it makes many of you happy. So we'll just we'll agree to disagree and love each other. Um, we're continuing our journey through the Gospel of John. I may have mentioned before that we're on a three-year journey through the Gospel of John, where we're taking like a couple months out of every year and just going verse by verse, chapter by chapter through the Gospel of John. So this morning we're in John 8. And I want you to imagine something with me a moment. 
because I'm going to kind of set the scene for the scripture this morning. Close your eyes and imagine with me this morning. Imagine you're in church. You're in this church. You're sitting in a pew or in a chair. And this guy comes up front. And he starts telling you that he was sent here by God. That he came directly from God. And not only that, that he is God. Wouldn't that seem a little strange? If I was standing up here before you and I was saying to you, I am the son of God. Everybody cringes a little bit, right? I cringe. It makes me cringe. Like, that's not, no. You know, you can't be God. You can't be the son of God. You can't be Messiah. You're dusty. I know you from Yakima. You're dusty from Yakima. They would say, you're Jesus from Galilee. You can't be the son of God. But here was Jesus standing in the middle of the temple on the Sabbath, telling them that God sent him and that he's the son of God. I think sometimes we give the, the Jewish people, the Jewish religious people, the, the Jewish common people who were, who were in temple listening to this, the, the Pharisees and Sadducees, sometimes they get a little bit of a bad rap. Because, I mean, they had a right to be skeptical, right? I mean, it, it's reasonable for them to be a little bit skeptical about this. Bear with me just a little bit this morning. I'm fighting a little bit of a scratchy throat. So, um, But, like, that's a reasonable thing, right? It is to me. I can kind of put myself in their position. Um, I'm going to go ahead and jump in. We've got a good bit of text to go through today. So starting in John 8, 28 through 30, I'm reading out of the NIV. So Jesus said, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, you will know that I am he and that I do nothing on my own, but speak just what the Father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone. For I always do what pleases him. Even as he spoke, many believed in him. To the Jews who believed in him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we will be set free? Notice that Jesus says, when you have lifted me up. He was speaking here to the Jewish religious establishment gathered here. It's somewhat notable to me. I was kind of thinking about this. I was going through this. Jesus wasn't killed by the people us Christians often rail against. Atheists, secularists, pagans. We could keep going down the list, right? That wasn't who Jesus was killed by. He was killed by the Jewish religious establishment. So that, you know, we've spoken of before, they wanted to hold their power, and Jesus was taking away their followers, and he was, he was suborning their power structure that they had, and they did not care for that. Jesus was hung on a cross by the misguided followers of the same God who sent him. They knew Jehovah. They knew the scriptures. 
They knew them well, especially the teachers of the law who were there. They, so the, the Jewish teachers of the law, to be a Jewish teacher of the law, you had to literally memorize all of it. Like they knew it all in their head. I, I struggled as a kid to memorize the memory verse so I could get the little coupon to McDonald's. Like, you know, like I, I wrestled with that. These guys knew the whole of the Old Testament in their head. Yet they didn't recognize Messiah when he came. And I, I ended this little statement with, may we learn. Let's learn to recognize Jesus. May we learn from this example. I love that Jesus began to reveal himself in the Jewish temples. And it says that many came to believe in him. Their hearts were open to the moving of the Holy Spirit that day. Even though Jesus' appearance was unexpected. They did not expect Messiah to show up. They just went to church one Sunday morning. And there was Messiah. We get him every day. How blessed are we? How amazing is that, that we carry Jesus with us? All the time, every day. I mean, that's incredible, right? Is your heart open to encountering Jesus? This is going to be a theme that I keep coming to over and over as we go through these verses. Is your heart open to encountering and seeing Jesus? He might even show up in church. The Jewish people knew their history. Unlike many of us Americans, they had from their mother's knee heard the stories of Moses and Abraham, as well as the escape from Egypt to the promised land. What is interesting is that they were a subjugated people under Roman rule at the time. So when they were saying, we have never been slaves, they were under Roman rule at, when they're saying this. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Like, you don't get to choose your own government. You can't have your own religion. Like, there were all these things under Rome where they were, like, really oppressed under Roman rule because Rome, a little bit of history of Rome. Rome didn't really care about, like, what your religion was or what race you were or what people you were. They needed money funneled to them so that they could have their military machine so that they could take more land so that they could have more resources and funds and materials channeled to them. And so as long as the Jewish people, like you could kind of serve Jehovah, although the emperor was supposed to be the God, and then, you know, if you wanted to kind of serve Jehovah on the side, that was, that was okay, as long as you didn't cause problems. Because under Roman rule, the biggest issue that they had was rioting and people causing problems and so they would have racial riots, they would have religious riots, and that disrupted Roman society. And they just didn't want that. They wanted everything to be square and okay and for the money to keep flowing. That was how Rome was set up. That's what they cared about so that they could continue their expansion. Because the stated purpose of Pax Romana, the stated purpose of Rome was that they would basically be the, the world leader. Like they would own everything. They wanted to like own the globe. That was part of Pax Romana. Continuing on. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son 
belongs to it forever. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Amen. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are looking for a way to kill me because you have no room for my word. I am telling you what I have seen in the Father's presence. And you are doing what you have heard from your father. They answered, Abraham was their father. Now, Jesus was being a little bit sarcastic here. He wasn't talking about Abraham. We'll get into who he was talking about in a minute, but he wasn't talking about Abraham. And Jesus replied to them, if you were Abraham's children, then you would do what Abraham did. I love this. In this interchange in the Jewish temple is one of the deepest truths and theologies that we hold to as followers of Jesus. If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. That is something we can own. When we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, when we start to follow God, when he truly becomes Lord with a capital L, we have freedom. We are free from sin. We are no longer under that that burden of sin. Jesus sets us free. He says we'll be sons. We're no longer slaves to sin, no longer subject to death. And Jesus says that this truth comes directly from the throne of Jehovah. So we can hold true to that. It's something that we can anchor on. It's an anchor point that we can have for our faith that Jesus sets us free. And we are free indeed. He also states that a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. And when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we become sons and daughters of God. One who is far above Abraham. Continuing on. As it is, you are looking for a way to kill me. A man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. You are doing the works of your own father. We are not illegitimate children, they protested. The only father we have is God himself. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I've come here from God. I have not come on my own. God sent me. Now, these were religious people I started off with. They're at temple on a Saturday, observing the Sabbath. And they didn't recognize Jesus. So going through the motions of attendance, sacrifice, tithing, prayer, which, you know, hello, guys standing in a church talking to all of you. I think those things are important and good, right? Obviously, or I wouldn't be here. But those things, listening to Scripture, those things are no guarantee that you will recognize when Jesus is speaking. They were doing all of the right things. They were doing all of the stuff. And yet they didn't recognize Messiah standing right before them. They didn't recognize Jesus. Doing those things is not enough. You have to know Jesus himself. It's that relationship with Jesus Christ. It's that relationship with Jesus Christ. Now prayer, reading the word, worship, 
gathering together, all of these things help bring us to God. They help us to know God. They help us see aspects of God. We, we see God enlightened in a new way. As I read through the Gospel of John, I'm seeing Jesus in ways that, I mean, I've been a Christian most of my life. And yet, as I go through this, I'm seeing new aspects of Jesus that I haven't even seen before. God reveals himself to us through the Scripture. As we pray, it's like me and my friend Shelley. If my friend Shelley are hanging out and we're talking and we're kind of getting to know each other and we've known each other for a while, but if we're hanging out and we get, you know, we start becoming friends and we are friends and we know each other, like that time spent builds our relationship, right? We get to know each other more. That's prayer. And prayer without also listening is not good. It's not healthy. When you speak to God, I want to give you an encouragement this morning. When you speak to God, give him space to speak back. Give him space to speak to you. Don't just do, I, I call these, and I do this from time to time. Don't just do bullet prayers. You know, like, Lord, this guy sucks. Can you help me not kill him? Lord, I could really use some money right now because our bank account's getting low. Lord, can you make my son listen to me? Lord, you know, like just shooting out these little bullet prayers, right? And sometimes those are good. Sometimes those are good. Sometimes those are like are driven by the Holy Spirit. I mean, I've been driving in the car before and like seen somebody on the side of the road and God asks me to pray for them and I do. Right? That's that's okay. But when I'm like really trying to build a relationship with God, when I'm really trying to get to know God, when I'm really like saying, "Lord, I want I want you and I face to face." I can't just talk to him. I have to be willing to listen for him. Cuz you can't build a relationship by just talking to someone. Because you don't get to know them. So that's my encouragement to you this morning is, is listen for Jesus to talk back to you, to speak back to you, to reveal himself to you. Continuing on. Verse 43 and 44. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you're unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning. Not holding to the truth. For there is no truth in him. And when he lies, he's speaking his native language. For he is a liar and the father of lies. This is talking about the nature of Satan versus the nature of Jesus, right? If we're aligning ourselves with untruth and death, Jesus says we're placing ourselves under the rule of the enemy of our souls. Right? If, if we're engaging in and lies, and, and murder, and death, and like this, this character matters. Jesus says we put ourselves under the authority of the enemy of our souls. I was reading an autobiography about Abraham Lincoln, and there was a section in here. He used to love to go on walks with his wife, and they would go walk, and he liked to take walks in this time of year, when, when the trees have lost their leaves and stuff's dead. And I read this section, and I thought it was really good. Abraham Lincoln loved seeing trees without their foliage because their anatomy could be studied. Like the outline of a silver maple against the sky was delicate. 
and the network of shades that the branches cast on the ground seemed like a virtual profile of the tree, like the sun shining on the, sh on the bare branches of the tree, and then you look at the ground in the shadow of it, kind of like the lights coming through these stained glass over here in the shadow of the pews, right? So like with the trees, kind of like that. It created a virtual profile of the tree. And he once said this. I thought this was very profound to me. Perhaps a man's character is like a tree and his reputation like its shadow. The shadow is what we think of it, but the tree is the real thing. I'm going to read that again. Abraham Lincoln once observed that perhaps a man's character is like a tree and his reputation like its shadow. The shadow is what we think of it, but the tree is the real thing. Character matters. Character matters a lot. Who we are when we're alone. See, our reputation, good or bad, is simply a reflection of our true character. Who are you? Who are you? Whose allegiance do you put yourself under? Who's your leader? Is it Jesus? It should be. It's a good choice. Jesus is a good choice. Our character, if we can model our character after Jesus, this is honestly, truly a prayer that I pray for myself every day, is Lord, make me more like you. Jesus, every day of my life, as I'm moving forward, as I'm getting older, may I more and more reflect your character. May your character supplant mine. May your character replace my character. May I be more Jesus than Dusty by the end of my life. Like, that's my hope. That's my prayer. Oh, sorry. Hold on. I don't want to skip any. There we go. 45 and 48. Because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I'm telling the truth, why won't you believe me, Jesus says. Whoever belongs to God, here's what God says. The reason, why is it doing that thing? It shouldn't be doing that thing. Okay, hold on. I'm going to fix it. It's still doing the thing. Okay, maybe. I apologize, guys. It doesn't ever do this. All right, it hates me. That's okay. We're gonna just we're gonna pretend that's not happening and move on. Um, and now it's switching on its own. Did somebody hack my computer? I think it was because I was talking about the enemy. <laughs> All right. Yet because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I'm telling you the truth in any way, why don't you believe me? Whoever belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is because you do not belong to God. The Jews answered him, Aren't we right in saying that you're a Samaritan and demon-possessed? So you can see that they're like Jesus and the Jews. They're, they're kind of fighting. And they're like, for, for a Jew, that's a big insult. You're 
a Samaritan. And not only are you a Samaritan, you're a demon-possessed Samaritan. It's kind of like, yeah. You know, I mean, they're like, they're kind of going at each other, right? Because Jesus just insulted them. And Jesus replies, I am not possessed by a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. I'm not seeking glory for myself, but there is one who does seek it, and he is the judge. Very truly, I tell you, whoever obeys my word will never see death. And at this they exclaimed, Now we know that you are demon-possessed. At first we thought you might be demon-possessed, but now we know you're demon-possessed. Abraham died, and so did the prophets. Yet you say that whoever believes your word will never taste death. Jesus here is revealing another core principle of our Christian belief system. Whoever accepts Jesus and follows his teaching will live forever. I was reminded of the scripture in Corinthians, and I'm going King James Version on this because it's prettier. Like it's more beautiful. It's, it's poetic. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through Lord Jesus Christ. Death has no sting. Death has no pain. Death has no victory because we're in Christ, and when we accept Christ, we live forever. We have hope. We have hope. We don't have to fear. We don't have to despair. We don't have to worry. I was super close to my great-grandma. Her name was Matilda. Her friends called her Tilly. Her last name was Geisy. And I loved my great-grandma. I was 18 years old, 19, 18, no, I was 19. I was 19 years old, she passed away. And I spent a lot of time with her when I was little. Um, she used to, like, when I was a kid, we used to play this little game where I would run, and she had this fly swatter. And, like, uh, Kimmy, you remember this. Sorry, my sister Kim. Um, she, she, like, we would run by her, and she'd, she'd whack us with the fly swatter. Like, it was, just, it was just this little game. And, like, we just, we would laugh, you know. She's like, oh, I got the fly. I got, you know, we just get, anyway, she, she passed away when I was, like, 18, 19 years old. Like, it, it hurt. Like, I remember I visited her in the hospital, and I was standing by her bedside, and she wasn't lucid anymore. And she thought that the IV stand was the doctor. And she was saying, Dusty, can you please ask the doctor to give me some medication because I'm hurting so much. And, and he won't do anything. He won't listen to me. And it hurts so bad. Can you help me? And I was okay in the moment. I'm not okay right now. I was okay in the moment. And then when I got into my car, I, um, I put my sunglasses on, and I, like, I ugly cried. You know, snot. You know, it's, it's no good having a beard or goatee and a snotty nose. It just collects. I know you wanted to hear that. It just collects. Dustin, you get me. Yeah. It's just not good. And I, I ugly cried. Like, I ugly cried. Because... Like, I knew that was the end. Like, it, when she actually passed, I wasn't as sad as I was in that moment of feeling helpless. Because I knew she was a believer. She was, she was a, a strong Catholic woman. She loved Jesus. We had lots of conversations. 
um, I, I know I'm going to see her. Like, I, I just, I don't have any doubt. I have, like, zero doubt. Grandma, Grandma and I are going to get to chill again. Like, and I, it's going to be awesome. And I look forward to that. So death, where is thy sting? I mean, I, I was sad for now, and I miss her. Um, but it's a momentary sadness, because I'll get to be with her again someday. Because of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Like, thank you, Lord, for hope. He continues on. The Jews respond to him. Are you greater than our father Abraham? Because, I mean, Jesus, do you have a song written after you? Father Abraham had many sons. No, there's no Jesus song. Are you greater? He died, and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? And Jesus replied, if I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My father, who you claim is your God, is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. If I said I did not, I would be a liar like you. I know, snap. If I said I did not, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him and obey his word. This is Jesus' version of, I could agree with you, but then we'd both be wrong. Right? Paul, I think, Apostle Paul gets some of his sarcasm from reading Jesus. But uh, your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. You are not yet 50 years old, they said to him, and you've seen Abraham? Very truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. Oh, this was it for the Jews. Jesus just said he was I am. At this, they picked up stones to stone him. And yet Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. They couldn't catch him because his time was not yet arrived. I wanted to dig into this a little bit. What's Jesus saying when he says, I am? He was claiming to be more than a rabbi or a prophet. Jesus was claiming to be the Messiah, God in human form. The Jews, as I mentioned, gathered here. They knew about the story of Moses. I wanted to read an excerpt from Exodus. This is where they're coming from when they hear Jesus say this. Exodus 3, 13 through 15. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? This is Moses speaking to God, right? What shall I tell them who sent me? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, The Lord the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name you shall call me from generation to generation. Is it any wonder that the Jews got a little bit upset when Jesus responded to them, I am? Jesus was presenting to them his divinity, that he's not just a man. 
He's not just a good teacher. He's not just a nice philosopher. He's not just a really well-spoken rabbi. Rather, he is the incarnate Son of God, that he is God before them, that Jesus moved into the neighborhood, that Jesus became both man and God combined. And is it a mystery? It is a mystery. Can we fully grasp it? I can't. Maybe you're smarter than me. Maybe you have greater revelation from the Holy Spirit than me. It's hard for me to wrap my head around, and yet Jesus said it, so I believe it. Because I know Jesus is true. So he was God. He was I am. It says that the word was made flesh and came and dwelt among us. That that was Jesus. At the beginning, Jesus was the alpha and the omega. The beginning and the end. The I am. I am. I always was. I always will be. That's Jesus. And the craziest thing to me craziest thing to me is that Jesus claims us as his own and that we get to be brothers and sisters with him and that that we get to be part of God's family that we're we're grafted in to God's family and that he says we live forever because we're now sons and daughters if we follow his teachings if we follow his commands if we follow Jesus it's incredible to me I had mentioned I was at a, at a little pastor's conference this weekend. And as I was there, as we were praying, Jesus gave me this. And then, you know, in worship, it kind of came back again. Just this idea of surrender. And what Richard said was so good and so right. There is no way we can do this on our own. There is no way we can do this without the Holy Spirit. There is no way. Because... We're all sinners, right? We, we have sinful desires. We have sinful flesh. We, we're, we're all narcissists at our core. We, like, we want to take care of ourselves and make sure that we're, that we're safe and comfortable and good. And when I say everything, I'm not saying that like God wants you to... So early on in Christianity, there was this sect of followers uh, of God who were called the Aesthetics. And the aesthetics would be the guys who, like, they would go, and they'd go in the middle of a desert, and they'd, they'd build this big post, and they'd put a platform on top of it, and he'd go live there so that there was no earthly temptation that could reach him. And they would do this thing called mortification of the flesh, where they would beat themselves and cut themselves for God. And a lot of other things that are just not of God. I mean, Jesus... In Scripture, never called us to do that. <laughs> that was not in the Word. Um, these guys were trying to do that. They were trying to prove themselves to God, right, through doing physical things. That's not giving everything to God. That's me deciding in my own fleshly mind how God wants me to serve him. That's not what God is calling me to do. That's not what God is directing me to do. That's not me listening for the voice of the Father and the Father directing me what to do, right? That's me deciding, well, God wants me to do this. Or God wants me to do that. If God asks me to do something that is antithetical to the Scripture and antithetical to who Jesus is, that's not God. If the Scripture says don't, 
for instance, if the scripture's saying, um, you know, do not commit adultery, right? And I think, well, I think God's telling me to go sleep with this woman who's not my lovely, beautiful bride. And I think God's telling me to do that. That doesn't seem right. That's not biblical. The Holy Spirit wouldn't tell me to go commit sin. Right? That's not giving up everything. Everything doesn't mean giving up my marriage. Right? So when Jesus is saying to the, uh, this to us, and when Paul encourages us to bear, you know, to take up our cross and follow Christ, when Paul's doing this encouragement, it's in conjunction with the Holy Spirit and with the Scripture and with the Word of God as to how we're to walk that out. And that's why we need the Bible, and that's why we need to pray, and that's why we need to be listening to the voice of God, because that's going to help direct us so that we don't get a little weird. I mean, I'm a little weird, but I, I choose my weirdness. You know, like I'm, I'm okay with, you know, I own it. Um, but not, I don't mean weird in that way. I mean weird in that, like, um, we're doing things, and then I mentioned this last week, like sometimes we do things and then we slap God on it, right? It's like, I'm choosing to do this, and I'll add a little bit. I'll say, Jesus said, and now not only am I doing it because I choose to, but Jesus said it's not right. I was thinking about how we talked about Jesus' light last week and how Jesus spoke and said that he is light. I'm, I'm a huge science nerd. Most of you guys know this. Every once in a while I'll go off on little science tangents. Thank you for bearing with me. But the sun is a precise distance from the earth. If the earth were a few kilometers closer to us, we'd all burn up. If it was a little bit farther from us, we'd all freeze to death. What the sun is to the earth, Jesus Christ is to our human heart. See, all life on the planet Earth comes from the sun. Photosynthesis for plants only occurs because of the sun. Uh, if you study science some, there's different categories of creation, right? There's consumers, there's creators, there's decomposers, right? There's different things in our world that serve different functions. And without the creators, the creators on the earth, the things that create nutrients and material, those things are powered by the sun. All plants would die if the sun was too close or too far away or wasn't there. And being carbon-based life forms, we kind of need that stuff to live. Jesus, this is analogous to who Jesus is. If, if we don't have Christ, our heart withers and dies. If we don't have Jesus, we cannot flourish. If we don't have Jesus, our, our heart suffers. There's no life. Jesus has to be central. Jesus has to be Lord. To truly be all that it is that God has created you to be. To truly fulfill why God put you here on this planet. 
We have to be like Christ. And he said he does that which the Father directs him to do. Jesus must be our son. Jesus must be our source of sustenance. Jesus must be that life-giving source in our life. Because other things that we turn to to give us life, I mean, I, you know, I really enjoy Netflix. And uh, they happen to have recently put on all of the episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation on there. And that's my favorite and best Star Trek. Um, Captain Picard is the best of the Star Trek captains. In my humble opinion, Jean-Luc, he's my guy. Um, I enjoy that. It's, it's fun for me to imagine and watch those episodes. And, you know, when he says, make it so, I'm like, yeah. You know, I love that. But that's not a source of life for me. Only Jesus can fill those empty spots that I have inside of me. Only Jesus and the Holy Spirit and God the Father can truly give me purpose in my life. Star Trek, you know, there's the prime directive, and that's fine, but that's not, like, going to change the world. Only Jesus changes the world. Only bringing the kingdom of God changes things. And so I have to let Jesus be my guiding light. I have to have Jesus as my son. Jesus, you know, there are so many other things in our world, right? There are so many other things to distract us. And I'm not saying that's all bad, because obviously I enjoy those things. But when it comes to feeding my soul, the only answer is Christ. The only answer is Jesus. So if you feel emptiness, if you're somebody hearing the sound of my voice this morning where you're struggling with feeling alone and empty and hollow, or you're just you're missing something, the answer is Jesus. The answer is Jesus. If you can press into him, if you can give yourself to him, if you can both speak to him and allow him to speak to you, he will change you. He will change you. Let's pray. Jesus, may we know you. Lord, we give ourselves to you this morning, Jesus. You are the answer, God. Lord, we thank you for revealing yourself to us through your word. Lord, we thank you for revealing yourself to us in prayer. Lord, we thank you for revealing yourself to us in each other. Lord, we thank you for revealing yourself to us in the incredible creation that you've given to us as a gift, Lord God. Lord, we thank you for revealing yourself to us in, in our relationships with those who we love and who love us, God. Lord, we thank you for revealing yourself to us and our kids. Lord, we thank you for revealing yourself to us and the stranger who we met who encourages us. Lord, may we reveal you to everyone we encounter. Jesus, may we carry you with us as we walk through our lives. Jesus, may you be constant with us. Lord, as we're in the grocery store, or we're at our job, or we're with our family, or wherever it is, God, 
May we bring your kingdom to bear. May your love, God, pierce hearts and minds. Lord, may your grace and your mercy that Richard was talking about this morning, Lord, may those things penetrate us and embed themselves as a part of our character, God. Lord, may we accept your forgiveness. Where we don't know how to, Lord, would you teach us? Lord, through your Holy Spirit, would you teach us how to receive your forgiveness, God? Would you show us, Lord Jesus, how to make you king and how to make you Lord and how to truly serve you as our God? Jesus, we give it all to you. We submit ourselves to you this morning. Lord, would you use us as you will, God? Amen. Uh, I want to finish with one quick thing. I know I'm about five minutes over, but um, there's this quote that John Wimber used to always say. He said, Lord, may we be like spare change in your pocket that you could spend us as you would. May we be like spare change in your pocket that you would spend us as you would. And speaking of spare change, if you have any, well, let's see, do you see what I did there? There's a youth bake sale. Help them get to their retreat. Thank you, guys. We'll see you next week where we continue in John.